guys. I'm fantasy author J.H. Fleming. And I am Philip Dreyer Duncan, and I am very unprepared for this week's episode. But it's okay, because the Barbarian of Suburbia is back with us. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> Hi, Phil. <laughs> How you feeling, buddy? Better, mostly. Did you get that kryptonite out of your bat hole? Most of it. There are a few <laughs> random pieces. Dusting? Just a light dusting, yeah. <laughs> a light dusting? <laughs> So, yeah, chaos episode. Let's do this is going to be a chaos episode for a few different reasons. One, our guest isn't here. Don't know if he's going to make it or not. He's having, let's call it, Internet trouble. Additionally, there's just not that much going on on the news front. And J.H. doesn't feel that well. And Christopher, well, this is his first one back after being away last week. So we're just completely winging it tonight. All right, so, Chris, I got my car worked on yesterday. It was just like normal, like the oil change. Mm -hmm. But uh, Subaru, as you probably remember, does a really cool thing where they will drive and come pick up my car where I'm at work. They'll leave me a loaner car, and then they'll take my car to their shop, and then they'll work on it, and then they'll call me and tell me whatever's broken or whatever. Mm. Okay, so first off, i got to say I counted it yesterday, and I think I counted that they called me like 14 times during the workday, which wasn't annoying at all. I guess I appreciate the updates, though, so I shouldn't complain. But here's where it got really funny. So they called me, and they're like, hey, we're all done with your car. If you want to go ahead and pay us over the phone. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went ahead and paid them, you know, got off the phone. with them. Ten minutes later, they called me again, and they're like, hey, uh, we're headed your way to bring you your car. I'm like, great. Ten minutes later, I get another call from them. And I kid you not, the guy goes, um... Hey, uh, listen, is there any chance that your car was throwing a code before we picked it up from you today? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I go, uh, no, it wasn't. And he goes, I was afraid you were going to say that. And he goes, what do you uh, what do you want us to do? And I'm like, well, we could start by trying to fix it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then he tells me he's like no 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 he's like we'll definitely fix it for you we're definitely gonna make it right it obviously wasn't like that before we got it and he was like it's an o2 sensor that's tripping so you know oh. the sensor that always trips on every vehicle but he was like are you okay with us clearing it and i'm like yeah i mean that sounds like the first troubleshooting step that's what i'd do if it was at my house as i would clear it and see if it came back so that's what they did and it was fine they probably just bumped it when they were Pumped a wire or something while they were changing. It made me laugh. <laughs> any any chance your car was broken before you gave it to us? <laughs> I'm not going to have that uh, problem. I actually have to go drop my car off tomorrow. And I know that if they find something, I'll be like, yeah, it's probably like that. <laughs> All the pieces are still on so far. All right. So, Chris, you asked me before we started if since I didn't really have a plan this week, if I had a shtick. And I was like, no, nah, I got nothing. But now I do. You just gave me a shtick. I'm just going to do multiple tips of the week, but good chance they're not going to be writing related. So here's my first tip of the week, because it amazes me how many people don't know this is a thing. You can go on to the Zon, Amazon, and you can search for a, I don't even know what they're actually called, vehicle code reader. See, I don't even know what it's called, and I know this trick. You can buy one for like $13, and then... 
you just leave it in your car and anytime your car's throwing a code, you can go plug it in and see what the code is and then Google the code on your phone to see what sensor's tripping. And you can clear it yourself and see if it comes back. It's super handy. See, and here I felt smart because I learned how to reset the oil thing on my car. I don't know how to do that. Don't get too technical on me. I'm not a mechanic. You know, I felt really good when I learned that changing the air filter is as simple as emptying my glove box. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know, I had to help my dad change a tire recently on the mower, and I had to stop and think about it for a minute. And I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. Do you know how long it's been since I've actually had to change a tire? Like, years. What, do you got AAA? No, I just got good tires, I guess. I don't know. I've seen your driveway. There's no way that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you say it's funny you say that because I actually had to have Subaru patch a hole in my tire while they were working on it, which was also nice that that was a service they offered because I did have a slow leak. But otherwise, my tires have held up really, really well. Back when I had my truck, I feel like I was swapping tires like every other week because I was picking up a nail or something. Mm. We had a good run. <laughs> One time I forgot to put the emergency brake on and I got that sucker jacked up and then it started leaning forward on the jack. That's pretty smart. You know, that's a funny story too. I was in Eureka Springs. It was when I worked for my grandparents, they had the shop in Eureka Springs and they had a whole museum outside of Eureka Springs. But a lot of times during the summer, my, my grandpa would have me run the shop downtown. My brother had some kind of deal with some dude about trading some tires or something. And so this guy came to the shop and of course my brother was like, hey, this guy's going to come pick up these tires He's got to take them off my car or whatever, and he's going to whatever. The dude gets there, right? And he's like an adult. I was like 14 or something. No, that's not true because I was driving, so I had to be 17. So I was like 17 years old, and this like grown-up comes up, and he he's like, yeah, I'm here to get these tires. And I'm like, yeah, the car's back there. Go do your thing. And he's like, I don't know how. And I'm like, are you serious? Because I'm supposed to be running this shop right now. I can't really help you. You're supposed to give me money, and then you're supposed to take tires. And he's like, I don't know how to do it. So I got really grumpy, and I went back there, and I did it all for him. Then uh, he got, he was like, I wasn't very nice to him because he was an idiot, and he was kind of smarmy about the whole thing, and I had to do it for him and get all dirty. So anyways, when I went to leave that afternoon, I had a flat tire when I pulled out of the driveway, and it was slashed. So I guess, um, I don't know if that dude came back and just was mad at me or what. But I go down the street and I can feel like something's not right. And so I pulled into like one of the paid parking lots. But it's like it's like 530 in the evening at this point. So like they're not taking money anymore. Like the day's over. Right. But there's some guy in the little booth and he's like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, I got a flat tire or something. And I get out and sure enough, like I'm down to the rim. And the guy at the booth's like, you can't park this here. And I was like, well, I can't park it anywhere else either, can I? Like I can't drive it. <laughs> And he's like, well, you can't, you can't park here. You need to move it now. And I was like, I'm going to like, I'm in a spot. Right. And again, the parking lot's empty. Cause it's like evening time. And I'm like, dude, I just need to change this tire out real quick. I've got a spare. I'm just going to change it. And he's like, no, you need to take it somewhere else. You need to go down the road. I'm like, I'm not driving on the rim because you're being ridiculous. So I started jacking it up and that dude was still barking at me the whole time, which is probably why I forgot about the e-brake. Because then I really screwed up and the truck like leaned over the the uh, jack. And so like the jack is like stuck in the ground, but like leaning at a bad angle. And I was like, oh, no. Fortunately, about that time, my grandparents drove by and my grandpa pulled up and was like, you know, just looked at me and shook his head and the disappointment <laughs> of his brood. 
and pulled the jack out of his vehicle. So then I was able to jack the truck up and get it sorted. Yeah, I'm kind of dumb, guys. I keep telling you. To Christopher, what have you been up to? It's been forever. Um, well, I did some work. Um, and then I worked some more. And then I worked a whole bunch. Yeah, it's the same thing I've been up to. Shame we don't get to do it together anymore. But up, Ching. Mm-hmm. JH, what have you been up to? Um, let's see. Since last time, I finished the first draft of my 19th novel and started the first draft of my 20th. That's fun. I got a message the other day from somebody, and it was a very adorable little meme, which indicated I needed to write more Blade Mage books. And yeah, Chris, I see your face. So, Chris, I wanted to let you know that JH has actually started working on editing Pathkiller. So it won't be too long, and you'll get to read it. Yeah, right after the first draft of her 20th novel. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually do editing work concurrently with whatever I'm writing. So, yeah, I'm working on both every day. I don't know that I could keep that straight. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. But you're coming from somebody that reads, like, 15 books at a time. Well, yeah, I don't know. Something about, like, stories for me, like, it's not a problem to keep them straight. Like, I'm following the story of whatever video games I'm playing, whatever books I'm reading, whatever shows I'm watching, and then, you know, plus whatever I'm writing. It's like, they're all different stories. It's like, so I'm switching between them. Like, I'm just sinking back into that world. Like, I'm not going to confuse, like, Zelda with Dragon Age. It's like that in my head. Yeah, I won't have that problem either, but I think mostly because I never played Dragon Age. Bill kept trying to get me to. <laughs> just using that as an example but like for me all the books that i'm working on whatever i'm you know playing or watching it's like that where it's like yeah they're different things i'm not going to confuse them and you'll be glad to know christopher that i've actually been making reasonably good progress on the next blade mage book i'm on like chapter 15 or something already wow i guess there's just something to that new hardware huh nice yeah i was going to talk about that new hardware <laughs> in the tools segment actually and the creatives on fire segment. I was going to blend those two segments together and being a weird loser that I am and my somewhat funny story. We went down to Alma this weekend to the lovely castle farms owned by our dear friends, Selena and Lynn Rosen. And we stayed there. It's my favorite little hideaway. Super awesome. And Selena makes really good omelets for us every time we come. Mm -hmm. And that makes me happy. I was very much looking forward to this little getaway to just work on writing and stuff. And we got there and I realized I didn't have my laptop charger, which was pretty stupid. And I will tell more about that story when we get to the tools slash creatives on fire segment. (laughs) To hear more, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) What else did I want to talk about in my crappy little notes? Chris, did I ever tell you about Mr. Ballin? That sounds like the setup for a really bad joke, so I'm going to go with no. It's not, in fact. <laughs> I actually haven't listened to it for a while, or watched it for a while. So uh, one of my friends told me about this like a year ago, and I got super hooked. And I think for all of our writer listeners who might dabble in horror, horror or um, urban fantasy, or creepy things, or thrillers, this guy just, he has a YouTube channel, right? It's just like a video of him and he's just telling stories like creepy cold cases, creepy ghost stories, weird things from history or whatever. But he's just a really good storyteller and he covers all the basis and just like 
gives really good context. And they're addicting to watch. He's got a YouTube channel, and I think he actually has a podcast, so I've never listened to it. But it's called, it's Mr. Ballin, so Mr. and then B-A-L-L-E-N. And uh, I think, like, his backstory was, like, he was a Navy SEAL or something. And I don't know why, but he just decided to, like, get on YouTube and tell this creepy story from whenever he was younger or whatever. And I guess got a lot of views. And so he just keeps making videos. But he's got hundreds of them now, like, covering everything from, you know, like, Skinwalker Ranch and like the big UFO stories, but then even like missing people stories, like people who went on vacation and suddenly disappeared. And he'll tell you like the whole story around it. It's really fun. You should check it out. I might just have to. Horror is actually one of the genres I really enjoy. Basically, if you get yeah. into like occult and demons and any of that kind of crap, I used to consume creepy pastas faster than they were put out basically all across <laughs> the internet. I know I, I don't read a lot, but it has to do more with, my ability to read in a stint and I need to finish it. So the shorter the story, the yeah. easier it is. Yeah. So most of his videos range from like 15, well, mostly they print most are like 20 or above. It's like 20 to 30 minutes something like that. It's a nice, like, Oh, I got to drive over here. I can listen to this episode or whatever, you know? <sighs> yeah. One of these days I'm eventually going to have to figure out how to hear words and do things at the same time. <laughs> like I, I can do music but it's because i'm not actually paying attention to the music if i need to get like get the material i can't i can't do both like walking and chewing gum mutually exclusive that's fair i guess i don't know do you ever wonder why you didn't see me chew gum no no oh, it's the tmj but it's still a good excuse <laughs> you're speaking of episodes not being too long we have a listener out there whose name is shane who often tells me that uh, we should make the episodes shorter so that he can finish them on a single car ride. And to that, I say, suck it, Shane. Tell me how long to make our show. What's wrong with you? It's fine, guys. He's not a fan. He's a friend. I wouldn't talk that way to a fan. I mean, just have him go the scenic route. Right? Take longer drives, Shane. I'm not in this business for you, brother. I love you, though. If you're listening, I love you. <laughs> I think he's still working through like episode seven. So eventually he'll come to this and be like, it'll be like a year and a half from now. And he'll be like, oh, that jerk. <laughs> I'll get a text message. I mean, at this point, if it's a surprise, a little naive, I feel. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. I know I told you before. So we have listeners in Ireland and New Zealand. But as of the last time I checked, we've also have listeners in Japan. Iran, Italy, and Portugal. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? It is pretty cool. Yeah. So who knew your writing tips worked in other languages? I don't think anybody's translating the podcast, so... No, 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 not what I mean. But if they live there, they might be authors in their native language, whether or not they speak English. Oh, yeah. Like, one of my favorite books that isn't yours is The Club de Mas, which was written by a guy from, like, Latin or South America and translated. Yeah. So... Okay, yeah, so the, let's talk about that a little bit, because that can get interesting. Because I think, in general, most of the, well, I think the business tips that we talk about, I think those all apply mostly internationally, right? But when you talk about craft, I think the same tips would still apply, but you might just have some different, you know, you're gonna use different language, I mean, more than just a different language, but language in the sense of writing might be a little bit different too, right? Sure. 
I mean, the way their stories are formatted just culturally. Yeah, right. And that's why sometimes you'll see with like translated books, they'll come off really flat and they're not as enjoyable probably if you don't know the actual language. Whereas when you have a really, really good translator, they can absolutely make them pop. Like the example that comes to my mind is the Witcher series reads really, really well as if it was written in English. JH, you should, since you speak multiple languages, you should like read something in English and then read something in, in Irish. Oh, geez. And then see like which right version now, is better. Or... Oh, you mean like in general? You don't mean yeah, no. right now? No, I didn't mean okay. right now on the podcast. No. <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's actually, that's actually what I'm working towards. So I have a book. Um, so it's one of those like novels that's written as a series of poems, but like when you read them sequentially, it tells a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on one of those in Irish. And then I actually have the Hobbit in Irish and Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass in Irish. So my goal is to get to the point where I can read those. Yeah. What's Chris doing? He's leaving. No, he's coming back. He's got. Ah, yep, yeah, that one is available in Irish as well. Yeah, this one's Polish. Nice. Oh, neat. Holy smoking butts, guys! We have a guest. He has arrived. Woo! He has solved his internet problems. Maybe we'll see. Hello, Harold Neal. Hello. <laughs> I'm out in the country. If I sit this way with my phone this way, I can get signal. <laughs> <laughs> uh well we're glad you made it it's been i guess i haven't talked to you since SoonerCon, huh yeah a few months yeah do you know what i looked online to find i always try to find a bio for our guest and i couldn't find one for you so i was like well, i'll just have to make it up on the fly so harold neal is a real life space marine <laughs> he joined space force soon after it was announced and he was the first person to poop on the moon. True story. <laughs> Harold Neal, welcome to the show. I, I did. Well, I did cover it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Harold Neal Harold Neal is actually one of our longtime friends, and he is a brilliant artist. Met him many moons ago at SoonerCon. I don't even remember exactly how we met. Probably my sister, wasn't it? It was your sister, but then you, you were sitting outside and talking about writing and then we we were uh, drinking and it was our first con or maybe your second. It was very early on. And I was like, Hey, what's up? And then we talked to Ron Chaney and Oh man. About his family. That's right. I forgot about that. We harassed him at the bar. Mm hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then he told me he didn't appreciate people making artwork without asking him of his family. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's good to know. It's a useful tidbit to have. <laughs> uh, Chris is making a yeah, face. I don't want to make you mad. So this was the, was he the son or grandson of Lon Chaney, right? The uh, grandson of Lon yeah. Chaney. Yeah. And so the con was giving yeah. like a lifetime achievement award or something. And so he was there representing his family for it. It was very cool. Yeah. that He was an actor himself. I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Other than the part where he probably yeah. did, didn't want to talk to us, which makes him a cooler guy because he put up with us. So... Good on him. Um, so Harold does yeah. both like paintings and sculptures. But what I would say yes. is that Harold has a very unique style that's all his own, which I think is really cool. And when you walk into a convention where he has his stuff, like when I walk in, 
like every time if I get there early, I'll walk in before the shows even open. If they'll, if I can sneak past, you know, the guards and all that, because that's a thing that happens. <laughs> and I'll walk into the artist room and I'll look around and I'll be like, there's my boy, Harold Neal. There's his stuff right there. Because you have a very, I don't know, how would you describe it? How would you describe your style? Uh, whimsical horror. Yeah. I try to put like a sense of humor to it. Yeah, you take really creepy things and you make them still creepy, but also fun, Yeah, I think. I try to. Yeah, and you do like really good. So you, so Harold, uh, like I said, he does paintings, he does sculptures, but you also will do like pottery as well, right? So you'll do mugs, but they're like the mugs will be of his own design, right? So if he's done a painting of a character, uh, for example, he has a Frankenstein monster painting he did several years ago that we saw and my sister fell in love with it. And she was like, is there any way I could get an original? And Harold was like, I actually sold the original, but I can do another one for you. So he did a Frankenstein's monster for my sister and his very cool, unique style. And then I hit him up last year and got him to do the coffee cup of that same painting, if that makes sense. So the coffee cup, the style of Frankenstein's monster on the coffee cup matches the painting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Guess what? I'm making a Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein getting married painting right now. I guess it's for me because in two weeks I'm getting married. Two weeks? Oh, wow. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Thanks. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. And you're living in Ada now? Yeah. It's just an hour from Oklahoma City. It's all right. <laughs> I, I love Ada. Um, have you been to Poyo's yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my fiance took me. Got to get up on that yeah, queso fundido. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a few things out here I, I like so far. They always have revivals. They have uh, <laughs> <laughs> carnivals. You never struck me as the revival <laughs> attendee, Harold. I don't know. Like They're kind of fun. I play the music and get down and dance. Kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you have your phone just pointed at the top of your head right now, so that's all we see. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <Okay. laughs> well, it's I'm making sure I got bars, you know. No, it's fair. Yeah, I assumed it was a stylistic <laughs> choice. <laughs> I did that once for my profile picture on Facebook, and my cousin was like, she's like, why do you do that? Just a big, shiny, bald head. Don't you know everybody sees that? And I was like, well, that was the point. Everybody knows me as the bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I got a funny story about Ada, Oklahoma. We went to visit. So I uh, have a couple of aunts who live there and we went to visit once and we had a few hours to burn um, before we were meeting up with them. So we went into the little casino. Right. And so like I burnt my money and I went to find my dad and I was standing there watching him play and he was playing like a five dollar machine. Right. And there was this guy who's like my age standing right beside him playing at another one. And this guy like he's like just cussing and he's like real mad right every time it spins but like he's like oh man er, you know and i'm like what what's this guy's deal right and then but i realize he's winning like he's hitting okay right and then all of a sudden it jackpots mm -hmm. you know the little red light goes wee 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 and it's like shh, 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 you won you won of course you know and i'm like oh that's that's exciting you know and I like look over and he's won a few grand and I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. I wish that was me. Right. Not this guy. He's like cussing and he's all upset and like 
just having a cry. And I go, dude, you won. What's wrong? And he goes, they're going to do the tax thing now. My wife's going to find out I was here. (laughs) How do you know you're an addict when you're mad that you won? (laughs) So anyways, Mr. Harold Neal, what led you to create your style of art? Like what led you to take the creepy things and make them fun? Give me your villain origin story. Well, when I was a kid, I used to like to play with Play-Doh a lot. And, like, they never made action figures for the Dark Crystal. So I made my own. Okay. But you had all the Star Wars characters. You had He-Man. You had all this other stuff. No Dark Crystal toys. They do it now. I think, like, Todd McFarlane put out a set of them. But, you know, I was, like, obsessed with the Dark Crystal. Uh, That and obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Stephen King. I was re- reading Stephen King way too early <laughs> and kind of warped me a little. Hmm. Like, solid. So what you're saying is you have good taste. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Vin- Vincent Price stuff, like, I'd watch all those movies. He was so, they were so schlocky and whatever like that. And I wanted to recreate that and stuff. And so I did some artwork of Vincent Price. Nice. So what how do you connect the dots from you made your own figures with Play-Doh to you started, what did you start drawing first, painting? I just never grew up. You know how you draw and paint and stuff when you're a kid and play with Play-Doh? Mm-hmm. I never stopped. Just never grew up. And then my mom was tired of, like, I'd make really intricate, cool stuff out of clay, but we could never keep it because it's Play-Doh. So she started getting me ceramics. Yeah. And then firing it for me. Well, that's cool. So did was that something that was around in your family? Like, was somebody did somebody do pottery, or did she just go figure out how to do that for you? Well, yeah, she did pottery, but uh, like she did molds, like for um, pots and cookie jars and stuff like that. And then she also decorated cakes. Like she won awards for, like we lived in Hawaii for a long time. She would do uh, cakes with lays on it, you know, like the flower necklaces. Yeah. And she won, like, awards for that. Like, that was a big thing in Hawaii, um, you know, making lay cakes. And she'd win the awards at state fairs. Wow, that's cool. You know what else is cool? Train ad. Woohoo! <laughs> Are you experiencing hairy feet? An adventurous itch or butt pain? Then you should buy a copy of J.H. Fleming's latest novel, Music the Gathering. A most unusual assassin. What does a fantasy novel have to do with those conditions, you ask? Nothing. But it's so damn good you'll forget all about your furry little hobbit feet. Don't wait. Buy it now and tell your doctor how awesome it is. Side effects may include magical adventure, hours of introverted fun, great characters, tears of joy, and death. Buy it now. Chugga, 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 chee, chee. That was the best train ad you ever heard. I'm just kidding. I don't know, because that's in the future when we insert it. And I don't know which one Chris is going to put in there. So it might not be the best one ever. (laughs) But you guys missed out that Harold Neal was singing us some Johnny Cash. That was amazing. Harold Neal. Right on pitch. Where did we leave off with before the train? Well, your mom was uh, uh, was artistic. She did uh, cakes and won awards and did cakes. Okay, so like it just came naturally to your family to like for you to just be an artist. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Do you know what's sad to me is I got pretty into drawing when I was a kid. I actually have a few um, decent ones from then. Like I got this really, um, I got a sad clown I really like. I did around like the year 2000. So I was like 12 or something. And uh, I actually, I've made it into a t-shirt and then I wear it around. People are like, cool shirt. I'm like, yeah, I drew this when I was a kid. I don't know. Cool. Hey, you have to show me. Yeah. Fun story. If you go to futurebestsellerpodcast.com and go to our shop, it happens to be linked to where you can get that t-shirt. That is true. What? That is also, true. Also, with the power of math, I can tell you he was 14. Well, I'm glad you're here this evening to <laughs> correct me on that. Choo-choo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I don't want to get that explicit tag. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. I'm I'm surprised I haven't already dropped a few f bombs. I can't help myself. <laughs> it's a act of will for sure for some of us at times. What was I going to add? Well, I guess the end of my story was I didn't keep up with my visual art practice, and now I'm terrible at it, and that kind of is a bummer because I I really enjoyed it and I was pretty good for a minute there. But anyway, so for you is is there one medium you prefer over the other? Do you like to jump between the mediums? What um, you know? Why do you do all the different ones? Sort of. I don't know. I I get tired of one for a while, and then I do another, and then I go back to the other, and go back. And then a lot of it has to do with I get tired of watching paint dry, so I go um, do some pottery, and then I gotta wait for the pottery to dry, so I go back to painting. Yeah, because I'm impatient. But do you paint the pottery? Yes, I usually glaze it, but it depends though. Like if I I glaze it, if I want people to drink out of it, like yeah. I use like. The, the glazes that you can actually food safe. But if I'm painting a sculpture, I can just use spray paint. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm totally envisioning like the statue of David with movie lounge from the early 90s, late 80s carpet over the front of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you said spray paint. That's that's where I go oh, with spray paint. Sorry. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't keeping up, but yeah, I I like spray paint. And like you can, I found that you can do a lot of crazy stuff with it if you like. Yeah, you punch your spray can or whatever. Like I have a, a airbrush kit, and I still haven't broke it out of the packaging. I'm a little intimidated. Oh man, that's super fun. You should do it. Yeah, but I'm I'm with yeah. you. Like this, the spray paint to me is like really cool. So like when I was a kid, and I was talking about this actually before you came on. So my grandparents had a museum, right? My grandfather was like this very big private antique collector. So they had like a museum with like 30 buildings in it that you could like walk through. But they sold antiques as well. But then we also sold like reproductions that you'd call like new gifts, right? And there was this weird thing where like somebody would pay almost the same amount for something that was like new but looked old, but wasn't actually old because like the actual old stuff looked old. And be all beat up and everything, and they'd be like, "I want the one that's not quite as beat up." And they'd be like, "Well, you know, that's that's not real. That's a reproduction. This one's two hundred years old. This one was made six months ago in New Jersey." And they're like, "Yeah, I want that one." So, but then there would be like this weird thing where people be like, "Well, like, this one's nice, but I wish it was like a little bit rougher looking, and that one's way too rough looking." So my grandpa would be like, "Okay, I know how to solve this problem, right?" So he would take some of his his reproduction stuff and he would intentionally rough it up a little bit and make it look a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And then that would meet the smarmy middle ground, right? 
but one of the things I remembered, like, because I always thought, like, when I was a kid, like, spray paint's just spray paint, whatever, right? And I remember helping him with these uh, cabinets one day. He was like, he took the this, uh, and actually the cabinet was really, it was like a dresser, right? And it was actually really old. Um, and he did like the putty work with the wood and stuff to fill in like indentions and did some sanding and restaining and that sort of thing. But when he went to put on the drawers, all he had were these brand new brass handles, right? So he laid them all out and... Then I watched him take his can of spray paint and he spray painted them all black, right? And then immediately took some paper towels and turpentine and started wiping them down. And what it ended up happening was what remained got into like the crevices and it looked like it was 100 years old. It was amazing. Wow. And I was cool. Yeah. And then I was like, what the heck? What other tricks do you have? And he had all kinds of crazy spray paint tricks for, you know, like, oh, this side of this table you know, got something on it. It's like a little bit stained. So let me just, I need the black and the brown and I'll just do a little spray here, a little spray here, rub some of this turpentine, do whatever. And now it all matches, you know? They call it distressed, right? I think they do now, yeah. I think that is is what they call it now, yeah. Distressed. Is that what the, the, what do you call that? Gentrified thing is to call the furniture distressed? I yeah. know, man. I know it's it's that's why you call Coors original Coors banquet now, but that's a whole different that's a whole different rant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So one of the things we always do with our guest segments is ask like so for writers, we'll say, what's your advice for the newbie writer? So in your case, what's your advice for the newbie artist or the budding artist or somebody who, you know, loves painting, loves sculptures, loves pottery? and that's what they want to do, what would your advice for them be? Well, if you have the passion for it, you'll figure it out. And to get a mentor, not you don't even have to go to school for art. Art is art. If you're doing it, it's art. But I say get a marketing degree or a business degree because that would help you more in the art world than anything. Like, or at least do it as a minor. So you, you can figure out how to make it as, as a living or you, you just scrape by like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a really good shout out. And it's true for our world as well, right? Like in order, to, you know, part of being a successful writer is having good business acumen, right? Because at the end of the day, that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah. And don't forget to ask because you might get a million no's and then, uh, one really good yes and just keep being stubborn keep being stubborn i like that did you have a mentor uh i had a a couple like when i was younger i i uh, went to a pottery class and the head of the sculpture society in oklahoma she liked me so much she made me the youth president of the sculpture society and so uh, we would work together all the time and do artwork and stuff like that. Her name is Kate Morgan. And, yeah, we do pottery, sculptures, and stuff like that. We would, like, it was weird having an old, older lady be your friend when you're little, you know? <laughs> but no, that's yeah, cool. She'd put me to work, too. She'd have me clean in the shop and stuff. Yeah. Did you uh, pick up good habits or? Yeah. I don't know how your workshop and looks. Maybe, yeah. Well, she kept it pretty even and clean, except it's always covered in dust. Because like, if you're working in clay, 
there's always going to be that clay dust everywhere. It just settles on everything. Sure. Tempura, oil, watercolors, what's your poison? When I paint, acrylics and spray paint. And when I sculpt terracotta or modeling clay, or sometimes I just use tinfoil and epoxy. I found a, a really fast way to make sculptures, but you got to work real fast, like get it done in an hour. But I can work real big with aluminum foil. Wow. And what, what I found out, though, is I need to put rocks in the bottom or people don't believe it's art. They don't believe it's a sculpture if it's not heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You should write little notes on the rocks. That way, if they ever break the sculpture, they'll find your little notes. Mm -hmm. They'll be sad they broke the sculpture, yeah. but then they'll be like, they'll feel like, you know, it's like a treasure chest type situation. Mm -hmm. I've seen some paintings like they've done uh, restoration work or they've done like, what do you call that? Where they've done like x-rays of paintings and they they find other paintings underneath. I'm like, if they ever did that with mine. It's called a pentimento. Is it? What did you call it? Yeah. A pentimento. I, I just learned that that's a new thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't either. Okay. But if, if my, you started ripping sheet. My wife's an art historian. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I was thinking to myself, though, I have like a few paintings out there that have like five and six different paintings underneath because I get tired of looking at my own stuff and I <laughs> paint over it and do it again. <laughs> That's funny. But I kind of hope that they can't x-ray it and see it because some those are my failures underneath. So you never know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if they're if they're horror themed, you know, they might kind of build on each other. The x-ray mm. might be your greatest work yet. <laughs> yeah. A hundred years from there now, they'll be go. like, what did he mean? It's the sign of the devil. What was he trying to tell us? It's all there. It's like, it's the sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> well, I can tell you that if anybody ever rips out the sheetrock or like tears down my dad's bar in his house, because we built this thing from the ground up and I would get really bored while him and whoever else was arguing about how we were going to do something. And I just start doodling. So underneath the bar is a, like a really good clown I drew with a Sharpie. And then um, within the walls, there's all kinds of crazy artwork that I just drew with a Sharpie. Some of it very inappropriate uh, messages I left for future <laughs> me, things like that. I did that, too. Like in my parents' house, I, I got in the sheetrock there. And do you know who what the Church of the Subgenius is? No, I don't think I was smart enough to ever be invited. It was a, a fake cult. It was a bunch of comedic books. They just made up a religion. And the Church of the Subgenius, and it was J.R. Bob Dobbs, and he smoked a pipe. And he was the second coming. And and then, like I would write like sayings from Church of the Subgenius, <laughs> like Jesus is our Bob, Bob is our hope, Jesus is Bob Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so future generations might find that. What does it mean? I don't know. What do you think it means? <laughs> ah. It means a man named Harold <laughs> Neal 100 years ago had a very good sense of humor is what it means. 
<laughs> All right, should we do the news? Chaos episode news. First news story today. So looks like Publishers Weekly put out a thing on Book Talk, which for those of you who don't know, that is like a sub-branch of TikTok focused entirely on books. So a lot of people have gotten really big on TikTok through the Book Talk things. Like I can walk into like our local Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, whatever, and like you'll see like a display with like you know a TikTok sign on it, or you know specifically Book Talk. Of, you know, different pe- books that have gotten, you know, big on it. And like now they're selling them in the bookstores or maybe they were already selling them down there in this special category. Anyway, so with that explanation out of the way, um, Publishers Weekly's article basically kind of trying to speculate whether that peak is kind of coming to an end. Uh, I don't really know if it's spiking downward or if it's just kind of plateauing. But I mean, that sort of thing always happens with these sorts of trends. I am not on TikTok, so I haven't gotten to benefit from any of that, but kind of neat to follow and see, you know, what's happening with all the different trendy things going on. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, usually when there's these sorts of trends, like, honestly, typically the way it works is by the time you've heard about it, it might be too late for you to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. But then they also sort of like settle in on themselves and they're still a viable marketing thing for years to come, but maybe just not with quite as much luster. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was just they had a dip last month was like the first time they've seen a dip. So it might still be on the rise. I don't know. It's all just speculation. But I think it goes back to the whole like if you're going to do something on social media, it should be something you enjoy. So if you enjoy making TikToks about your books or I don't even know what they make TikToks about, frankly. But if that's something you enjoy, then go for it. Why not? It's still a viable strategy. Um, If it doesn't sound fun to you, then you probably shouldn't try to jump on that bandwagon anyway. Right. Right. All right. And since I haven't given one in a while, I'll give an update on the writer's strike. Still going. Hasn't ended. Nobody knows when it's going to end. And uh, now Dune's been pushed back, which makes me sad because I I enjoyed the first part, the movie that was the first part of, you know what I mean. Anyway. Is that the one with Sting? (laughs) It is not the one with Sting, Chris. (laughs) The writer's strike did not travel back in time to push a movie from the 70s from being released. It was the uh, upcoming one due to come out in November and now they're saying March, but who knows with the strike going on. Um, I guess the studios did sort of like dangle a deal out there and they're like, you know, hey, we got this and uh, the WGA was like, get that corn out of my face. So <laughs> it's... No, you you got to do it in Fran Drescher's voice. Man. Oh, that's not going to happen. I can't do that. <laughs> Crispin Glover was like the first one to get really angry about like they did some uh, CGI on his face, stole his likeness. And he was one of the first ones to get mad about all that. Like, uh, I think I'm jumping ahead to visuals and you were talking about writing, but they're uh, the AI is doing that, too. Yeah, they're doing all sorts of stuff. We had uh, Gary Phillips on a while back and he was talking about. They had this guy who sold his voice rights back in the day and they have this deal where they're using like his voice, but with AI and like you put up like his actually like they put up two recordings and you can't tell which one's the real one and which one's the AI. It's pretty crazy. James Earl Jones sold his uh, voice so they can do Darth Vader indefinitely without him. That's amazing. I mean, if anybody was going to sell their voice, 
Well, me, obviously, because my voice is so beautiful. But then James Earl Jones, obviously, be a close second. Very close. Yeah. I mean, I think we're neck and neck. Close second. <laughs> like, honey. I mean, I, I could see you being a Mufasa. I don't, I don't know if you can pull up Vader, but Mufasa I could see. Like, the part yeah. after he falls like in he the He just canyon. needs worse asthma. <laughs> <laughs> I could do Vader. Luke, I'm not your father. Hey. I'm pro choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you need to cut that one or not, Chris. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, chaos episode. Speaking of AI. In our continued coverage of our robot overlord and our time traveling writer strike. <laughs> Nailed it. You sounded great, Chris. Not as good as I sounded last Almost week. Almost as good as you last week, yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Oh, I don't think I, I even jealous. I don't think I told JH what you did, and I don't know if she listened to it. Do you know what he did? No what? So last week when what? I did when I did the the our robot overlord's voice or whatever, and I was like, How was it? And you go, nailed it. When he was editing it, he took his own voice and pasted it over mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so good anyways Christopher <laughs> oh yeah right the news the news in our third segment of what could possibly go wrong <laughs> oh only on only while we're recording right okay so apparently the AI schemesters schemesters ooh I like that they're like teamsters except less threatening but more death maybe <laughs> so the newest thing uh, in addition to their travel guides to parts unknown, it's kind of like Apple Maps back in the 90s. <laughs> We've now added the textbooks that we talked about previously, including the DSM, all those poor mentally handicapped and mentally challenged individuals being misdiagnosed. Hopefully not. Now we've got mushroom guides, which is fun, <laughs> potentially. But... <laughs> the problem with that is there's a lot of really poisonous mushrooms and some very deadly ones and some guides that sound very authentic aren't. <laughs> and so the issue that that causes is we now run the risk of people trusting what they read. You know, it's kind of like it's on TV. It must be true. It's on the radio, it must be true. It, print used to kind of be close if it had a hard cover, sort of. <laughs> and now that's gone. I guess the good news is that if a person, you know, happens to buy one of those books about mushrooms, but they also buy a travel guide to go find the mushrooms, the travel guide's never going to get them to the dangerous mushrooms. Well, I mean, the, the flip side there is you can always assume that it's just nature uh, finds a way. <laughs> so <laughs> I've said for years, you know, just take the warning labels off of stuff and let it sort itself out. You know, you won't look into the laser with your remaining eye that old bit. Yeah. Are you saying that Mother Earth created AI to uh, thin the herd? No, what I'm saying is we created math books, which are just all all problems. We create our own problems. Same thing with lemons. <coughs> Didn't naturally exist. Somebody took an orange and a lime and said, this is a great idea. So now when life gives you lemons, blame your ancestors. <coughs> Mother Nature doesn't need to hurt us. We're good at it. <laughs> uh, and that is our news segment 
right, switching to our tool segment. Bill? <laughs> I thought you nailed it. You did fine. I just, I want the listeners to know, I gave, everybody was laughing and talking about something else, and I just hit record. As it was counting down, I was like, JH, go, go. And she was like, no. And then she did just fine. I'm going to do a mix match because we're in chaos episode. And I'm going to tell a story about myself that is um, stupid, but somewhat useful both for tools and creatives on fire, I think. So I'm going to tie those two things together. I want to talk about writing machines a little bit because obviously for writers, having a reliable machine is pretty important, right? And... I have gone through many over the years. One of the things I normally do, because I've always been like a Windows guy, right? So usually whenever I buy a new laptop, I try to space it out as long as I can. And what I normally do, and I like to game anyway, so I normally spend quite a bit of money and get a pretty high-end gaming laptop, mostly for the fact that if I buy a lot more specs, then those specs stay relevant longer, or at least they tend to. Maybe not for games, you know, after a couple of years, you might have some things that come out that you can't really play, but it'll still run pretty good and be a little quicker. And that's always worked pretty well for me. And obviously, I told this story recently about how we decided to get new machines, both for myself and for JH. And we got her a new MacBook. She's a big Mac fan. And and it's, you know, it, dirty Mac users, dirty Mac users. <laughs> so I used to not like Mac because... Before I had my own laptop, I had a friend that let me borrow a MacBook Circa. This is like 2007. And uh, I hated that operating system. It was awful to use. And I just never liked it. So I was always kind of like, I don't want a Mac. That's kind of a smarmy thing. But I softened on that in the last few years because if you look, the average lifespan of a Windows laptop is like three years. Average lifespan for a MacBook is like five. In JH's case, she's had Macs, both like the desktop and laptops that have lasted for years. So Mm -hmm. I had actually considered getting one when we got her her MacBook, but I really wanted a newer gaming machine too. So I went the route I did, which leads us back to the story I was telling before Harold came on with us. So Harold, this past weekend, well, you know, Selena and Lynn, right? Yeah. So they have at their place, they have like a, a guest house that they rent out. They call it Castle Farms. And so every so often, JH and I will go and like run it for the weekend and just have like our own little writer's retreat, right? So we get to Friday and I'm like really looking forward to getting there and just like I just want to focus on writing for a couple of days without distractions and it's going to be amazing. And so we drive all the way down there and unpack. We go eat dinner. We get back and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm gonna sit down at the laptop and get started. And I pull my laptop out, and then I don't have a charger. And my new gaming laptop is something of a Haas, and the battery life on it is not that impressive, frankly, as tends to be the problem with gaming laptops. They only have a battery, so you can unplug it long enough to move chairs. Right. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Even, like, you can put the processor in eco mode, and you can put on the power-saving stuff, and it's like, cool, Instead of dying in 20 minutes, it will die in three hours. So needless to say, I was like, we've got to solve this problem or my weekend is ruined. And I'm very sad. So I got online and I saw that the Best Buy in Fort Smith, which is like 20 minutes away or something, you know, like the Best Buy in Fort Smith had universal power adapters. I had very little confidence that it would work with this beast of a machine. But I was like, 
I got to try something and we're not going to drive three hours home. Right. So we drive over. It's like an hour before they close and we go grab the universal power adapter and take it up. And JH jumps in front of me and is like, hey, he needs to check this on his laptop. We have the laptop in the car. If it doesn't work, can we you know, return it or something? And they were really nice. The lady was like, yeah, if you want to just go grab it out of the car and bring it in here, you can try it right here at the counter. And if it doesn't work, I'll just turn around and refund it. Like, okay, cool. So I pay. JH goes and grabs my laptop, brings it inside, and she gets to the counter. And sure enough, it didn't work. So they just went ahead and refunded it. And then she calls over this other guy, and he's like, yeah, we're not going to carry anything in the store that will work for that machine. That's, you know, kind of a, a rare power supply need. You probably have to order one, and it'll take a few days. I'm like, well, that doesn't work because I have one. It's just three hours away, and I'm here for the weekend, and I don't want to do it. But I just, I sat there, and I looked at this $80 power adapter that I just bought and refunded. I looked back up the lady, and she was like, is there anything else we can do? And I was like, you know what? Take me to the MacBooks. And she got real excited and was like, got on her walkie and was like, somebody come take customer service. I got to sell a MacBook. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) she took me over to the MacBooks and I was like, F it. I'm just going to buy a MacBook right now. I don't really plan on spending this kind of money. I don't really like spending money to begin with, but that solves my problem for the weekend. And I was wanting to buy one eventually anyways, just to have as a backup for whenever I had problems with my Windows machine, because the Windows machines will have problems. And as Chris has told me in the past, being the super geek computer builder that he is, he will say, Chris, if you just need it to work, you probably need to buy a Mac. So I planned on having a backup for that very reason at some point anyway. So the very shocked lady that I had gone from, I need a power adapter to, I'm going to buy a thousand dollar computer was more than happy to ring me up and get me out of there. And here's the thing. I freaking love it. I got the MacBook Air. It's super light. I can take it everywhere with me. And it has like, just like logging in and stuff is way quicker and less dramatic than on my Windows laptop. So I've just been taking this thing everywhere with me. And I just like, it's probably annoying because you might just be talking to me and I'm just going to throw it out on a counter and start writing in front of you. (laughs) But that was my sort of goofy story. And it's not like, so for the tools side of it, it was just about having a reliable machine because that's important. And we were having a conversation with a friend yesterday who's not like a really computer person. And they were talking about like, yeah, my last computer was kind of a pain and I don't know what I want to get next. And it was like, we're well, not really a computer person. So it probably would make sense for you just to buy a Mac. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely worth considering for people when they're looking at their machines. Like if you know how to, if you're Chris and you know how to do everything on your machine, you probably fix a lot of your problems or make them not be problems. If you're me, Stuff starts breaking down on my laptops and I just work around it till I finally buy another one. And I probably maybe should have just gone this macro sooner. Mm. That's the tools side of it. The piece there, too, is like it used to just be that any Mac was prohibitively expensive. But if you're using it for something like writing where you don't need Mm. anything major intensive, you can buy one of the lower power MacBooks for almost less than most regular Windows laptops anymore. And it is. It, once you put it in a one-to-one, it's there's no comparison. I'm not telling anybody what to do with their taxes. I'm not a tax advisor. However, I bought this specifically for my writing business, so I'll be writing it off this year. I got lucky when I first got into Macs where um, I actually got used ones 
one was a friend of a friend. She was selling her Mac for like $300 or something. I think like she dropped it. And so like part of the back was like a little chipped, but like otherwise it was perfectly fine. And I used that for years. And then my previous one before this was also like a refurbished one that I got fairly cheap. And it worked. It was like a 2012 model and it finally just started having problems this year. So they are beasts. And like I've had Windows machines and they all have, all of mine anyway, I can only speak for myself. They all had issues within a year, like all different things. Like this one had this problem. This other one had this other problem. I haven't had that with any of my Macs. So just like Chris was saying, as far as just working, like they are for me they're the best choice yeah i've never bought a mac ever i do have one (laughs) (laughs) the other thing i was gonna say jh that you asked me about this the other day and i meant to get back with you and tell you so scrivener used to be a little thing where like the scrivener files were different if they were mac or windows so you had to do some Mm -hmm. you know i don't have to do any of that i can jump literally uh earlier when i was working on a book I was looked to my left on my MacBook, made sure that OneDrive said it was uploaded, closed the MacBook, turned to my Windows laptop, opened it on there, and it was right where I left off. No drama. Yeah. I figured since um, Scrivener, sw- uh, they updated the Windows version to Scrivener 3, which was supposed to be on the same level as the Mac version of Scrivener right now. So I think that's why it's like they're pretty much equivalent at the moment, where that wasn't the case a couple years ago. Yeah. All right. Well... That tool segment had nothing to do with Harold Neal's world. So, Harold Neal, do you have any artistic tools you would recommend <laughs> for your artist friends in the world? I do have an iPad that I do paint on. Believe it or not, I like, especially at one point, I was really sick and I had this iPad and I d- downloaded Procreate, which is free, but you could do so much stuff with it. And then I got an iPencil and. And then my whole world exploded. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. And I, I could work out so many things. And a lot of my prints, like, it's kind of hard to get a really good print of a painting that you, you physically do. But, you know, you got to get the right sunlight or the right lighting to get a good picture so you can make a print. But with the uh, iPad, you paint on the iPad, you make a print of it, it comes out exactly like it was on like when you painted it and a lot of the colors i can't recreate like in procreate there's some colors that i'm just in love with that i can't recreate in the real world so Mm. like i i I was really surprised and you can finger paint with an ipad you can spray paint you can like (laughs) i was like wow this is crazy but yeah i really like that it's a free app called procreate i don't know if you guys use it I have not. Yeah, you, you should try it. It's just fun to play with, you know. And like, you can make you can make some clowns. <laughs> on there. I do have a thing with drawing clowns. You, you were talking yeah. about painting with your iPad, and I'm thinking spray paints and acrylics. Does he like block sections off? Or yeah, you can. You can do um, so many things. You can you you can highlight an area that you don't want to get spray paint on. You can spray paint behind it, and then you can go back to that other area. Then you can duplicate it, flip it around. This is things that I can't do on a canvas. Yeah. And, like, 
like, I don't want to admit to myself that this is fun. (laughs) (laughs) So do do you do a lot of finished products that way or just like concept work mostly or? Uh, I get prints and then like sometimes people want prints bigger than I usually do. I do smaller prints, but I can do any size print on there that anyone wants and I can frame it. It's my painting. I painted it sort of, I don't know if you'd call that that. It's a painting, right? Like, it's a digital, I guess, digital digital art. Digital art, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Yeah. I've taken pictures of my art, got it on my iPad, and fixed problems I'd looked at for years. Oh, wow. That's cool. I was like, yeah, so I edited it and made it I was finally happy with it. That's cool. You know, it's funny what you said about, you know, like when you're trying to make your prints and getting the lighting right. So you'll appreciate this. So my very first book, when it originally came out, the cover was drawn by pencil by a friend. Right. And she'd done like a ton Mm -hmm. of shading work. And like, it was just this really cool, like grayscale thing that she'd done with like different shades of gray. Right. And so I was like, okay, how am I going to make it on the cover? And so I put it through a scanner, but the scanner turned all the gray black. Oh, Chris has got it right there. Yeah, so he'll hold it up and you can see. Okay, so when I put it through a scanner, it turned everything black, right? And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And so I hit up someone else. They're like, oh, you just got to use this kind of scanner. So I found that kind of scanner and it made everything black again. And I was like going Mm -hmm. crazy. Like I tried all kinds of different things to keep the gray scale, to keep the pencil, right? And what I finally did is that book cover that you're looking at. I took a picture of the art with my cell phone, cropped (laughs) out everything that wasn't the picture and uploaded a picture from my cell phone to the publishing site to get it published. Well, that's exactly what I do with my original paintings. Your cell phone uh, camera usually isn't that bad. It's um, actually, you don't have to have like a, amazing camera or a scanner you just cell phone and just go I mean, these days it's like style. 10 megapixels isn't it minimum mm-hmm. well, i think it's more than that even yeah. aren't they That's some of them right yeah I think I, I even think your so. cheapy phones are like eight megapixel either mm-hmm. like the, some of the nicest digital cameras from 20 years ago your phone's like Pfft. yeah how cool is that i like that you just handle it yourself <laughs> sometimes that's I, what you gotta I, do man Mm-hmm. All right, cool. That'll be our tool segment. All right, so for Creatives on Fire, Harold just informed us that he is wearing a diaper. Not sure why he told us that, but... <laughs> and I don't know what it has to do with Creatives on Fire either, but hey, let's do the segment. <laughs> diaper rash? How to avoid diaper rash. <laughs> Burns like fire. <laughs> Um, so to take the creatives on fire side of the story, I just told about buying that MacBook. I had a moment in the store where I was doing this and I was like, am I really going to do this? And is this an impulse buy? And then I heard Chris's voice in my head, always reminding me about the value proposition. And I was like, I have money set aside specifically for electronics. If I love this, if I don't love it, I can just bring it back. If I do love it and decide to keep it, well, there's some benefits that I overlooked when I bought my new laptop. Number one being that my new laptop is 
pretty freaking big and heavy. I like it because it has a bigger screen. It's got like a 16-inch screen, which is kind of a weird size. But I like it. I mean, I really like the machine I bought, but it is big and it is heavy and it's bulkier versus this MacBook Air, which is a little bit more convenient to travel with. Plus, if I ever forget my charger again, I can go to Walmart or Best Buy or Target or Dollar General or probably freaking Lowe's or Home Depot and get an Apple charger, right? I had this very brief moment of crises because I'm frugal and I don't like to buy things where I was like, is this a bad idea? And I sat there and I was like, actually, because I'm so good at saving my money and not just blowing it like crazy, I can do this and it's not a big deal. I can spend this thousand dollars right now and I don't have to feel bad about it or get weird about it. So let's do this thing. And ultimately, I'm still happy I did. I have no no buyer's remorse. But also, for the creatives on fire, to go completely the opposite way, I had an interesting conversation recently with uh, one of my nephews who's like 19 years old or getting ready to turn 19. He's just got his first adult job, and he's got like kind of that first taste of making money or whatever. But I'm super proud of him in that he is managing to save half of what he makes. He's chosen to continue living at home. And he has a, you know, he has like a car payment, right? But he's been managing to save half of what he makes. And he did tell me, he's like, I did kind of screw up my savings recently because he did, you know, what I did at 19 years old and spent his money to go on a vacation. Whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was happy that he was like, on the backside, he was like, man, I'm really glad I did it. Like, I really enjoyed that vacation. But at the same time, seeing my savings depleted that I just built up, like that kind of hurt. I don't think I want to do that again. And so we started talking about investing in things and what he, you know, was like, so what do you want to do ultimately? And he was like, well, honestly, I just want to get to a place where I can do whatever I want. And I was like, okay, we can plan for that pretty simply. Right. So, but he stopped me and he's like, but here's the thing I've realized I'm really lazy. Like, I don't want to think about this too much. I just want it to kind of happen. And I said, okay, that's totally fair. We can get it to a place where you can save half of what you make and invest it automatically and do things where you don't have to think about it. But it made me think that like the, the base level of that though still goes back to the same advice, you know, which was like, I told him, The first thing I think you should do is you should build a savings. You should pick a number and shoot for that number. And I'm not going to tell you what it is unless you just can't come up with a number on your own. But pick a number that when you have that in your savings, you don't have to worry about any emergencies coming up, right? Get your emergency fund built up. I was like, so once you do that, pick your number and get it to there. And then come back to me and we'll set you up an IRA. And we can set it up where it automatically draws from your checks every two weeks and goes into that. And then you don't have to think about it. Right. And we can set all that up for you. And he was like, cool, which I thought was really impressive for a 19 year old. But I really keyed in on that being lazy about it part and not really wanting to think about it, you know. And I think that for him at 19, that's the right advice. Think about it enough to build a savings and then think about it enough to set up automatic investments. Well, I mean, if the people who invest the best are dead, 
the next closest are going to be the brain dead. <laughs> or the incredibly lazy who'd never bother to sell anything. Exactly. I agree. We all just need to come up with an app. That's what it is. Oh no, the tech bubble's happening again. <laughs> I don't think I want to work on apps for a little bit if if it can be helped. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my favorite is Shazam. I just remember calling into radio stations. What was that song that just played? Now I just <laughs> Shazam it, and it's like magic. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Anybody have any other thoughts or comments on my story about my nephew and being lazy? I just think it's great that he was thinking of that sort of thing, because not a lot of people his age even consider that yeah i know i was really proud about that and also it's kind of my fault because for the last few years as he's been was getting closer to finishing high school i would be like listen i'd get in his face be like listen you do not want to be like me or your parents (laughs) get your freedom stacked up early early and often and uh, i'm really glad to see that he's taken that to heart and you know trying to do something because I certainly wish if I could, if I could time travel and go back to like what I know today and how I know how to invest and, and all of that, if I could start back over at 19 again whew, or 18, be a whole different story, right? It is good to hear that you got a young person using the right definition of lazy. Yeah. <laughs> do it right the first time. So you don't have to do it again. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually, absorbing what you say because i don't do any of that stuff i'm like i need to follow the advice of that 19 year you gave that 19 year old (laughs) holy cred (laughs) episode seven yeah episode seven harold neil if you go back to our podcast episode seven we did a whole thing end to end on finances okay so yeah tired of living on the seat of my pants yeah (laughs) well maybe Give me a shout outside of this, and uh, I can help you out a little bit. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that's about the episode. So, Harold Neal, tell the people where to find you. I am on Facebook, uh, Harold Neal Paintings and Sculptures, and on Instagram, Harold Neal Paintings. I'm on Etsy, Harold Neal Paintings. I'm on TikTok, yeah, Harold Neal Paintings. I, I'm not very creative with that. I just should have come up with, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's true. <laughs> He's not the other Harold Neal artist, just to be clear. <laughs> he is this Harold Neal, not the other one. Because there's another artist named Harold Neal. Is there? There's another artist named Harold Neal out there. When I Googled artist Harold oh, Neal, some punk kid going to college came up. Well, I'm going to handle it Highlander style. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> hey, what was that? Um, a few years ago, there was that epic like Josh battle. All the different Joshes <laughs> fighting each mm-hmm. other. <laughs> Getting down to one. Yeah, so if you... Did if I come you, up second or first? I'm not going to say. If you Google <gasps> artist Harold Neal, it's not going to be like, listen... You'll know you've got the right Harold Neal when you're like, that's creepy, but also kind of fun. You'll know you got the right guy. Harold Neal and Detroit African-American artist. That's not you. Yeah. 
the Harold well, Miller you know exhibition. That's, own... that's also not you. Yeah, no. So that's not. Hey, but hey, that's definitely you. So if you Google artist Harold Neal and you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see some really creepy but fun pictures. Those are definitely our Harold Neal. Yay. Or unlike Phil, you could use your listening ears and just Google Harold Neal painting. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Put it to the test. Harold Neal paintings. <laughs> How did that work out, Chris? <laughs> you smarmy jerk. <laughs> Maybe if you do it on the social media channels you mentioned instead of Google. I, I don't know. It worked out well for me because I got to be a smarmy jerk. <laughs> um, if you Google Harold Neal paintings, the first couple of things you see will not be our Harold Neal. But if you scroll down and you see some creepy yet fun paintings and sculptures and cups... You will be at our Harold Neal. Yeah, that'll be his Facebook. That will that be the plugged. Facebook he plugged. The Art of Harold. I'll put a link in the show notes. How about that? Okay. Why don't you Whoa. put it in like the episode description instead of the show notes since the audience can't see those. You can't see the show notes? But oh, you're, you're, Super you're, the show notes are what still, you send us. You're still being a smarmy jerk. Look at your face right now. Uh, <laughs> I missed you last week, Chris. All right, Harold Neal, where else can we find you? Just the Art of Harold Neal on uh, Facebook and... Instagram, Etsy, TikTok. I also i am curating and putting my art in a Halloween show at the Paseo Plunge uh, Literati uh, Press. Uh, and uh, it's a Halloween show. It starts in October and goes till October 31st. I want to go. Where's it at? It's that sounds cool. In the Paseo. It'll be the first Friday in October, whatever that date is. What city and state? um, Oklahoma City. Okay. (laughs) Oklahoma. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, they weren't very creative. It's Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, J.H., tell the people where to find you. I'm on all the social media as J.H. Fleming. You can also find me on Fiverr if you need to hire an editor. You can also find me under Wildwood Minstrels. We um, will have a third single come out here in the next couple weeks, so that's exciting. I think that's it. Oh, in my website, of course. All right, and I'm Philip Dreyer Duncan, and you can find me at philipdreyerduncan.com and on all the social media things. And normally, Chris doesn't want to talk to you, but actually, he does this time because... I have refused to help him pick the kryptonite out of his bat hole. So he needs some help. So if anyone's interested in picking kryptonite out of Chris's bat hole, hit me up on the Twitter. Hashtag Chris sounds hot. I'll help with the kryptonite in the bat hole thing. And I will get you in contact with Chris. No worries. Harold Neal, thank you so much for joining us. Better late than never. My dear friend. Sorry about that. Thank you for having me, and it's, I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, man. We will uh, we'll have you on again. Yeah, it's nice meeting you, Chris. It's nice to meet you, and seeing both of you again. Always, always a yeah, pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and the podcast is futurebestsellerpodcast dot com. Thanks, everyone.
What what so, what was that you were just funny saying? Story. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I used to go to thrift the thrift store and buy suits and go to uh, a million dollar art auctions and act like I belonged and eat the food and look at Picasso's and Rembrandt's and uh, get inspiration. That's amazing. That should have been our creatives on fire segment. <laughs> Go to the thrift store, buy a used suit, stroll into a private invite only art gala, and just act like you own the place. That's exactly what you do. <laughs> I've done that like three or four times. Oh, another thing I'm planning on doing is I'm going to send um, a painting to the Louvre and. They will accept all paintings and put it in a warehouse because they won't throw it away. They won't get rid of it because one day you might actually be famous and they don't want to be the ones to have thrown away the next great artist. So if you do that, like you can actually claim that my my art is in the permanent collection of the Louvre. I am sending them a clown picture tomorrow. Yet, I will. <laughs> there you go. Do it. <laughs> Do they keep some sort of record of what they have in the warehouse? Because otherwise, how would they know when you got big and that they have anything of yours? I'm not completely sure, but, you know, in circles I've read, they do that. I think the uh, the Met does it as well. They uh, People right. have done that with the Met. You think they'd have to have some sort of, like, documentation thing, be like, oh, this person's famous and we have something in our warehouse. Let's go pull it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, or, oh, they died. Now their stuff's going to actually sell. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> uh, this was a brilliant post credit uh, scene. I'm glad I hit the record button again. Okay, that's the podcast for real. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>